Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we reviewed the testimony of gunshot forensics expert Megan Fletcher. In this installment, we continue our look at Ms. Fletcher's testimony. That's all coming up right after the break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It is the late afternoon of February 7th, 2023, day 10 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. In our last episode, Prosecutor John Metters was questioning SLED forensic examiner Megan Fletcher. As we concluded the installment, we heard Ms. Fletcher confirm that gunshot residue particles, or GSR, were found on the driver's side seatbelt in the car that Alex Murdoch was driving on the night of the murders. Ms. Fletcher further testified that, in her expert opinion, those particles were either emitted from a weapon fired by someone from that car seat, or were transferred onto the seatbelt by an object that already contained the GSR. As we begin today, Metters asks Ms. Fletcher about gunshot residue discovered on a blue raincoat found at the home of Alex Murdoch's mother, Libby. As we reported in previous episodes, the defense had objected that there was no foundation for linking that raincoat to the defendant. But Judge Clifton Newman ruled that the question of whether the raincoat could be connected to Alex Murdoch was a matter of fact, not law, and therefore an issue for the jury to decide. Well, you submitted another uh, potential piece of evidence in this case, forensic yes. scientist Megan Fletcher. Yes, sir, I was. And uh, what was that? Uh, this was a blue rain jacket, uh, kind of poncho type jacket. You know, when you, I guess when that came into your custody, when you uh, looked at it the first time? October 5th, 2021. Before continuing, Prosecutor Metters approaches defense counsel with a document containing pictures of the blue rain jacket. Jim Griffin immediately rises to renew the defense's objection to Ms. Fletcher testifying regarding the Blue Rain Jacket. Judge Newman acknowledges the objection and allows prosecutor matters to continue. First, I want to show you, I don't know if I'm going to use that ammo or not yet, but just showing what's um, 430 right now. Is that what you examined? Uh, those are images of what I examined, yes. Images of what you examined? Yes, sir. Tell the folks where you conducted this examination. Specifically, I conducted this examination in the Trace Evidence Laboratory. The Trace Laboratory. Yes, sir. As Metters asks his next question, he displays a document on the monitor. And I, and I first noticed there's a state's 430. It, it appears that the, it looks like it's, it's on a table or something. It's actually on two tables. It was 
it was large enough in order for us to be able to lay it out, we had to put two tables together. Large enough you had to put two tables together? Yes, sir. And, and why is it on this white, uh, what's it on, what's it? What's underneath it? Uh, underneath it is butcher paper, and that's um, used to protect the item of evidence, used to collect any um, trace evidence that may need to be examined. And, and it looks like on the right there may be a, a ruler or a measurement. Uh, yes, that's, uh, it was just, a sticker with ruler on it just to help guide us with the size, general size of it. We didn't take any specific measurements of anything. But is it fair to say that that's how it looked when you saw it in October? Yes, sir, it is. October 8th? October 5th. 5th, excuse me, of 21. This report was dated October 8th. I apologize. You're with Miss Hall. You had your jacket on, your gloves on, your mask on? Yes, sir. And, and tell the ladies and gentlemen of the jury, did it take two of you to do this? Uh, yes, sir, it did. Of one. Uh, so I uh, gave uh, Jamie Hall direct instructions on where to collect from, and while she was doing that, I was taking the notes. Double teaming it. Yes, sir. Matters then retrieves the blue rain jacket from an evidence box and hands it to Ms. Fletcher. Is that what's depicted? I can look at the yeah. This jacket is the jacket I examined. My lab number, the item number 173, my initials, and the date in which we examined it is on there. And is this the same? picture of what we just showed 430 I think it's the same image that you just or this is the jacket that was in the image you just showed okay and I'm gonna get this away I don't want to bother any of the jurors so I'll get this way here so you and Miss Hall lay this out to examine it correct yes sir and how did you determine specifically where you were going to check to see if there were any particles so typically when we're looking for gunshot primer residue we're looking for somebody who was in the vicinity to the discharge of a firearm uh, for this particular case uh, we were provided uh, information that something might have been transferred in this item that had gunshot primer residue on it therefore we treated it like an item that needed to be checked for transfer therefore we had to collect particle lifts from the entirety of the item including the interior you can either do it from up there or down here how did you do it how did you do it? what did you start with collecting potential particle lifts or particle lifts so in total we collected 25 particle lifts from the jacket uh, when i say we covered everything we covered everything we collected from the exterior of the hood the right sleeve the left sleeve, the right chest, the left chest. There is a middle pocket on the jacket. So we collected the whole middle section, including the pocket. The pocket also has like a hand warmer section. It's got a little bit of fleece inside. We collected from inside of that. And then we split the bottom half in two, collected one particle lift from uh, the right side and one from the left. We then flipped the jacket over and took one particle lift from the right sleeve into the right back on the top of the jacket, the left sleeve into the back on the top of the jacket. Let me check this real quick. As she has done throughout her testimony, Ms. Fletcher refers to a binder of her lab analysis notes. The back sample, the lower half was again split in half, and the right side was collected as well as the left side. Be a little, you said 25. Were there a total of 52 particle lifts? Uh, there were a total of 25 particle lifts. How many on the outside? How many particle, particle lifts? Yes. Specifically, please. 13. And can you tell us now where they were? Where particle the part lifts? Yes. Where, where did you swab specifically? The outside of the hood. Lifts, not swab. I'm sorry. That's okay. okay. The outside of the hood, the front right sleeve, the front right chest, the front left sleeve, the front left chest, the middle pocket area, the interior of the pocket area, like a hand warmer section. The bottom half of the coat was split into two, so the bottom right side 
and the bottom left side. The coat was flipped over and the sleeve and top half of the jacket on the right side was collected. The sleeve and top half of the jacket on the left side was collected. And then the bottom half, the right side was collected and the left side was collected. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. After Megan Fletcher concludes her list of the various parts of the blue rain jacket from which particle lifts were obtained, Prosecutor Metters continues his examination by asking the witness about her findings regarding each of those parts, beginning with the warmer pocket in the front of the raincoat. So, you mentioned the pockets in here. Did you find anything inside these pockets? As far as particles of gunshot primer residue? Yes. Uh, no particles were detected inside that pocket there. None? None. But you checked? We did check. Okay. And the particle lifts on the outside of the jacket were how many? Uh, a, a total of particle lifts? Yes. 13, I believe. Okay. And what does that tell you, as uh, in your opinion, as an expert in the field of gunshot residue? Oh, are you asking the number of particles of gunshot primer residue or particle lifts? Particle lifts and then your findings. Okay. There were... 13 particle lifts collected from the exterior of the jacket, and I did find particles characteristic of gunshot primer residue on it. Now, what does that mean? That that jacket could have been in the vicinity to the discharge of a firearm, or something that had gunshot residue on it could have transferred to that object. I can't tell you when that happened or how it happened. And how many, again, inside the pockets you found no gunshot residue? That's correct. Why you said you flipped it over and checked in? Yes, we turned it inside out and also collected samples from the inside. Have you done that before? I don't believe I've done an interior unless it was explicitly stated that somebody was wearing a shirt or a coat inside out. So you actually turned it inside out? Correct. So once we turned it inside out, we collected particle lifts from the the front and the back again, so the inside of the hood, the right sleeve to, you can see seam tape on this, that clear stuff that's kind of falling apart off of the um, jacket. So we use that as kind of a guide for us. So we use the front right sleeve to the center section of the coat, the left front sleeve to the center section of the coat, the middle area directly behind the pocket, the right and the left side on the bottom half of the jacket. We turned it over again and did the right sleeve to the center point on the top of the jacket, the left sleeve to the center point and the top of the jacket, split the bottom in half again, did the right bottom half of the jacket and left bottom half of the jacket. And what, after your examination, what were your results? Particles characteristic of gunshot primer residue were also found on the interior of this jacket. Is there a certain number or, or could you have kept checking and checking? Was there a lot of gunshot primer residue inside the inside of the jacket? I would say there were a significant number of particles uh, of particles characteristic of gunshot primer residue on the inside of this jacket, yes. I mean, did you determine? I, I confirmed 38 particles characteristic. And I'm saying determine, confirmed. You confirmed how many? 38. 38. Yes, sir. From the inside of the rain jacket poncho? Yes, sir. Whatever this is, correct? Yes, sir. Could you, 
and you taught me a word or two. Is there something that uh, kind of led you? There could have been more, but you just basically stopped checking. So if we go back to when I talked about the automated analysis, it gives me a list of candidate features that may contain lead barium and antimony. There were uh, a significantly more uh, significantly more particles uh, were listed as candidate features containing the elements lead barium and antimony. I had to make an analyst decision based on my experience to stop at the number that I did. Candidate features. Yes, sir. Which meant if you went on, you would expect to find more correct? It could. I would have had to still check the morphology. I would have had to make sure that they were molten around. I also have, would have had to check that they didn't contain exclusionary elements like um, high amounts of iron and magnesium. But there was a possibility that there would have been more on it. But you found 38. I confirmed 38, yes, sir. And 23 candidate features if you'd gone further, correct? More than 23. More than 23? Yes, sir. Did there come a point if you had finished that examination, how, how long would it have taken if you had checked everything? If I had checked every single particle, it probably would have taken me a week. So is there a percentage that you determine, hey, I'm going to stop at this point and say, here are my results. There's some other candidate features. Is there a guideline out there? Uh, we don't have a specific guideline. It really is based on our experience. Uh, and for this particular case, I stopped anywhere between 10 and 20 percent. Some areas I was able to do a full 100 percent because there weren't that many to go look at. But other areas I did have to make a determination. Of when to stop? Of when to stop, yes, sir. In order for it to be uh, consistent with transfer, an object or objects with a high amount of gunshot primer residue on it would have had to transfer to it. So they would have had to have more gunshot primer residue particles on them to begin with in order to transfer the amount of gunshot primer residue I found on this coat. And, and as far as a recently fired firearm, would your, would your findings be consistent with that item obtaining a recently fired firearm? It is possible, yes. With that number of firearms? Uh, with that number, it is possible. Is there any other possibility? Uh, if the jacket was inside out and simply in the vicinity to the discharge of a firearm, it could have also had that number of particles on it. In your opinion, and just life and the job you love, that's a large number of particles, isn't it? It was a significant amount of particles, yes, sir. As he asks his next question, Prosecutor Metters holds the blue rain jacket up and spreads it out at the arms. On the inside of the jacket? Yes, sir. I'm almost 60. Science, a little over six feet on the record, but anyway, this looked like a full length garment to you. I would, I would say that it would fit most people down to their knees or so. Conclusion again, as far as the hood, you said there was one particle outside the hood. Yes, sir. I was able to confirm one particle on the exterior of the hood. And how many particles on the inside of the hood did you determine there? Three particles were confirmed on the inside. Inside of the hood. Yes, sir. And, and finally. Uh, since this is an inanimate object, how long would you expect that gunshot primer residue to stay on there? Until it's actively removed. Correct. Again, what? Until it's actively removed. That means washed, cleaned, whatever. Uh, yeah, brushing it, like aggressively brushing it off, washing it in a washing machine, cleaned, hosed off, something like that. Recently fired firearm was wrapped up, wrapped up inside that jacket. Would that be consistent with your findings? There is a possibility of that, yes, sir. Much. That's all we have. Thank you. With Prosecutor Metters concluding his direct examination of Ms. Fletcher, Judge Newman adjourns the court and day 10 of the trial comes to an end. Ms. Fletcher's testimony continues the next morning, February 8th, as Jim Griffin rises to begin his cross-examination of the witness.
He begins by introducing himself and asking Ms. Fletcher about her profession. Is it Agent Fletcher or Miss Fletcher? Miss Fletcher is fine. Are you an agent? Uh, technically, I am commissioned. However, okay. I'm a forensic scientist. Right. Okay. Uh, well, Miss Fletcher, just want to um, go over a little bit of what you testified about yesterday and, and hit some smaller points. But I mean, you uh, pretty much you said this yesterday. But gunshot primer resi residue is not biodegradable, correct? No, sir. They're um, composed of heavy metals of lead, barium, and antimony. So they're individual particles of those metals. They are not biodegradable. So if it's if gunshot primer residue is on a surface, it will stay on that surface and will not degrade for hundreds of years. Uh, potentially, there's not studies that go out that far, but potentially. Right. right. But the only way that current science knows to get um, primer gunshot residue off of anything is through cleaning, wiping it off, scrubbing it off, spraying it off. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And, um, and it comes out when a gun is shot. Right? Uh, yes, that's how gunshot primer residue is formed. It uh, comes out through the muzzle and in a semi-automatic through the ejector port or through a, um, a revolver through the muzzle gap. So any opening within the gun, it'll come out. Yeah, so the gunshot primer, gunshot primer residue will follow the projectile, whether it's pellets or a bullet, out the barrel of the gun, rifle, or pistol, will it not? Yes, sir, it will. And then if you have a semi-automatic rifle or... Shotgun, gun, gunshot primer residue will will go uh, follow the discharge cartridge or shell shot as it opens up, right? Uh, yes, sir. Studies have shown as far as about 60 feet. Uh, beyond that, they haven't been studied. Okay. So within 60 feet of a, of a, a gun being shot, uh, there will be gunshot primer residue on, on whatever's around there. Fair enough? Uh, when, whatever's around the bullet, per se. Uh, when it gets out that far, it's more in the immediate vicinity of the bullet. But for sure, gunshot primer residue will, will accumulate on the firearm that's being used, will it not? Yes, sir, it will. And if it's not properly cleaned and maintained, I mean, it'll stay there until it gets wiped off by someone's hand or, or left out in the rain or sprayed off, right? Yes, sir, it will. Okay. And when you were referring to transfer... GSR, is that one of the things you're referring to? Uh, yes, sir. If you touch a gun that had been fired at any point, then you have the potential to transfer it to your hands. Now, this jury has seen um, throughout the course of the trial a number of folks holding up some firearms that, that are in evidence. A couple of shotguns, uh, 300 blackout, and they've seen jury, excuse me, they've seen witnesses hold up. Mr. Matter held up yesterday. This blue rain jacket, which you had identified having 38 particles or more on it. Um, my question to you is, is it very possible that where you're sitting right now, there's gunshot primer residue? Uh, that is a possibility, yes, sir. You work in the um, forensic services laboratory at SLED, correct? Correct. And, and there's a trace evidence operation manual pertaining to gunshot primer residue analysis, correct? Yes, sir, there is. And that, that governs your, you follow that? that manual, do you not? Yes, I do. And do you agree with the statement that gunshot primer residue evidence is most probative in the following situations, from subjects who have not sustained a gunshot wound, from subjects who have not been in the proximity to the discharge of a firearm, or admitted to di discharging a firearm, and from subjects who were not found in the possession of a firearm? 
I do agree with that, yes, sir. And that's a statement of your operations manual? Yes, sir, it is. And you, you obtain clothing, which we know is from Richard Alexander Murdoch, shirt, shorts, and shoes. And did uh, someone under your supervision did lifts from those clothing items uh, so that you could analyze the particles, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, Jamie Hall collected the particle lifts off of those items. And, and, those, um, and that collection was done on June the 8th, I believe, was it not? Yes, sir, it was. And are you aware that the clothes were collected on June the 8th? Yes, sir, I was. And were you aware that when the clothes were collected, they were wet? I didn't know that they were wet until Jamie opened up the evidence, and it was evident that um, the shirt was a little damp and the shoes were definitely damp. And so it's just been a few hours that, that they had been placed in some sort of bag, and, and you open it up in the wet, and you smell laundry detergent. That's correct. Were you aware that it had been raining that evening at Moselle? I was not aware of that, no, sir. In any event, you tested after after Ms. Hall, is that it, Jamie Hall? Yes, sir. She she did the lift, and, and you located three particles from the, the white shirt. Yes. You read three particles from the shorts. Yes. No particles from the shoes. Yes. And there was no particles on Mr. Murdoch's hands. There was oh. one particle on his right hand. I'm sorry, there was one particle on his hand. And you would agree that that amount of primer residue, gunshot primer re residue, found on an individual who you had been informed had had a firearm in his hand when the police arrived, that it was consistent with the transfer from a firearm. When I analyzed the evidence, I did not know that he had a firearm in his hand, but uh, that would be consistent with somebody who had a firearm in his hand prior to collection. Okay. Well, well you learned that at least by June the 9th at 11.03 a.m. when you had a telephone call with Agent Owen, correct? Yes, sir. And you told him that that amount of gunshot residue would be consistent with the transfer from the firearm? Yes, sir. And you stand by that here today? I do. The seatbelt assembly, let's talk about that for a minute. Well, they, you did lists, you and Ms. Hall or Agent Hall did lists of the, the buckle, is that right? Yes, sir. The latch plate, is that right? Yes. And then three spots along the belt, the webbing? Uh, yes, sir. Three areas along the um, belt. We divided the belt into three sections and did both sides of it. And those were the five areas that we collected. I see. I see. So, so did you take lists from the entire webbing? Uh, yes, sir. We retracted it as far as it would go, divided it into three sections, I see. and collected them. And and the results of the the lifts, and you did analysis. Was there one particle on the buckle, right? That's correct. Zero on the latch plate. Correct. Zero on the belt on any of the sections of the belt. That's correct. So the whole belt was was zero, and and so they found one particle. I confirmed one particle on the okay. um, buckle. Yes, sir. And and you can't say how or when the particle was deposited on the belt, can you? I cannot. And um, I think you told this to Agent Owen that, that if Alec Murdoch was shooting earlier in the day or any time, any time at some point in time while he had that vehicle, and he got after shooting, he got in the vehicle that has the ability to transfer any gunshot residue primer to that vehicle, right? Yes, sir. I cannot tell you when that particle was deposited. So if he had had that vehicle for two years and he'd been out shooting and, and got in it, I could have deposited one particle on the on the buckle and it could stay there unless it got knocked off, right? Yeah, unless it was cleaned, it could have stayed there. Yes, sir. And, and if he went and got a gun and then put it in the car and then he got back in the car and he got transferred GSR on him and he could hit the buckle and that, that could put it on, on there, right? 
Yes, sir, that could have happened. It's just very, very small. You can't see it with a naked eye, but it stays there forever unless it's moved. That's correct, sir. Yes, sir. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we conclude our review of the testimony of forensics expert Megan Fletcher and begin our look at the direct examination of Annette Griswold, who worked as a paralegal at Alex Murdoch's former law firm. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.